Jackson had a pregnant girlfriend, Pearl Bryan was her name. He and Alonzo Walling met her at the train. That night a plot unfolded, poor Pearl lost her life. Scott and Alonzo both hung for that cry. Supernatural greetings to you all. Those tunes you just heard is courtesy, of course, of the lovely Bobby Mackey, and I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. So, as we know, all over there are many locations that are paranormally challenged. Brothels, hotels, jails, asylums, hospitals, and what have you, right? The list just goes on and on. Many we know about, while others are foreign to us. Businesses are haunted, okay? And we know this, and so are homes. I've talked to so many people throughout the years that have lived in haunted homes. Some were quite troubling encounters. You know, I mean, home is supposed to be a safe haven. Am I right? The saying home sweet home or sweet Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home. How about after a long day? I don't know about you. But all I want to do after work is kick my shoes off, open a cold one, sit down, throw the tube on, and just relax. For some, that's just not possible. Relax? What is that? Never heard of the word. Some people live in constant fear in their home, spooky home. And it's easy to say, why not move? Definitely easier said than done. Many put all they have, I mean, blood, sweat, tears, and a ka-ching, all the money they have, into their homes. My friend, Lance Everhart, and his family, they happen to live in a very active location. The Everhart story was so special, so unique, that they were featured on one of the neatest paranormal shows out there, The Dead Files. Lance Everhart and his family moved to the small rural town of Kearney, Missouri, about 11 years ago. They currently live on a small horse ranch on 15 acres. I've seen pictures, it's absolutely gorgeous, and their horses are beautiful as well. Lance was attracted to the area because of the rich Western history, as it was the birth and burial site of outlaw Jesse James, as well as many others who have lived and passed through the area. Lance, along with his lovely wife and four awesome daughters, thought that escaping the larger cities would, obviously it makes sense, it would be a better and safer place to live. However, that proved, however, that proved not to be the case. Further from the case, actually, as unexplained things started occurring and escalated to the point of absolute violence attacking the family from all angles. Seeking help was hard, as some didn't believe or were simply just too scared to help. It wasn't until they sought the help from the dead files that they finally got control of their home and can finally live somewhat of a normal life, if you will. Lance Everhart, you know, it's been a while since we had chatted on the phone. It's such a pleasure talking again. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, man, I'm trying to think. It's been maybe at least two years since I had you on the radio show. Time flies. 
Oh man, it sure does. I, it does. It, it seems, especially now with the pandemic, it seems like the days are, are a blur. Everything kind of bleeds together and just goes by so quickly. It really does. You know, I have a thing on my wall of the people who've been on my radio show and I have their each each person their name is on a headstone and their date and I'm looking at it right now and your date was November 10th, 2017. <laughs> oh my gosh, so it's been on we're going on 3 years. Now. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, but I, thankfully, I'm still alive and kicking. I, I nothing happened to me in 2017. So. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's funny. I I think it was my mom. I was having a discussion with her about that like a while back. Just like you know, she's like, "Honey, I think it's really like gruesome and morbid that you have like these like headstones with these living people's names on them." And I'm like, "Oh, mom, come on! I investigate the paranormal. I'm all about that. I, uh, you know, it's I'm just a weirdo. Whatever. Deal with it." <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what? I actually think that's pretty cool. It's a cool idea. <laughs> well, thank you. I might have to do that for my uh, for the podcast. So we'll see. I'll, I'll throw you. You'll be on a 2020 headstone. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you can do is you can use the same one, and you can say "resurrected" and then <laughs> put the date on there. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So, you guys, I have a great guest, Lance. He has been through so much. First off, let's talk a little bit about the house itself, like the property, the land. What history, if any, do you know about it? And are there any documented deaths linked to the land? Well, you know, you kind of have to go back and look at the whole area as a whole, because where we live in northwest Missouri, and especially in Clay County, and Kearney, Missouri, it was a very violent, and this part of Missouri was considered Little Dixie. It was very pro-Confederate, very pro-slavery. There were a lot of families that came in from Tennessee and Kentucky that owned slaves, and they didn't want that way of life in, you know, taken away from them. So all around Clay County, everything was... Um, you know, anti-slavery, abolitionist. So it created a, a lot of issues here, you know, as far as two factions with different beliefs um, going at each other. So, you know, in terms of our land, you, there's a lot of history on our land. There was ties to Quantel's Raiders, Bloody Bill Anderson, part of his crew was at certain times on the land. Neither one of them, neither one of those individuals died on the land, but they were on the land. There's one documented death on the land. That was in 1921, and it was, it was a really weird situation. It was a, a woman, I think she was in her 40s. She... There, there's no records, no death certificate of anything regarding her. And usually when something like that happens, it's because of mental illness and possible suicide. And how it was very convenient is that her brother, I think it was her brother, was the county coroner and the sheriff for Clay County. And when you go back and you look at the things that happened to us, 
and the terrorizing of the old woman that was there, not the old woman, but what we call the crazy woman, we think that that was that individual. Her name was um, Edie Davis is what she went by. Edie Davis. Uh-huh. It's it's just absolutely bone chilling what you guys as family went through. And we're going to talk all about that in this episode. And let's first, Lance, talk about the first encounter. I mean, you know, things you move in, you're in love with the land. It's a gorgeous area. You, you know, things are normal at first at the beginning, but then, well, hell happens. And what happened first? What was the first thing that was just kind of like, okay, this is weird. Something's not quite right here. Well, the first person that really experienced things was our older daughter, London. And, you know, at the time she was in eighth grade, we had just moved there and she came out of her bedroom just, you know, screaming like in terror. And she said that there's somebody in my room. I go into my room and there's this woman just sitting there on my bed and she just looked at me and then she and then I just turned around and ran and you know she was saying well you know I'm hearing voices there's people that are banging on the windows saying let me in let me in and you know we had just moved from a large metropolitan city out to rural Missouri so it was quite a change for her our two oldest daughters and you know, they left behind all their friends. And so we just thought, okay, she's just having a difficult time adjusting. She, you know, she's just, you know, just looking for attention, you know, those type of things. And we just thought, you know, if we just leave it be, she will eventually come around. She'll get used to being here. She'll make friends. And this behavior will go away. Well, sad thing is, is it didn't go away. And then other people in the house, the rest of the family started to experience things. You know, they they kept saying, well, we're hearing voices, we hear footsteps, there's doors opening and closing. And my mind at the time was, there's got to be a logical explanation for this. So if a door closes on its own, the air conditioning could have cut on, close the door, you know, maybe you're hearing footsteps from someone else walking in the house and it's just echoing throughout the house. So I always try to come up with a logical explanation. And there was one time in, uh, or for our oldest daughter, because she kept saying, I hear voices, I hear voices in the bedroom. I, I, I can't stand it. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to put this thing to rest right now. And I went into her bedroom. I sat in her bedroom and it was me her and I want to say it was Heidi at the time and I said we're just going to ask some questions I'm going to record it and we'll play it back and we'll see if we hear anything well my hope was that we didn't hear anything yeah and so I could just say look see nothing's in here so I pull out my phone I hit record I ask questions is there you know, the standard basic questions is, anybody here with us? Can you say hello? Tell us about yourself. And then I play it back, and there's nothing. I, I hear nothing. And so then we, we try again, and I thought, okay, here's what we'll do. I'll have London, I'll have you ask the questions this time. Hmm. 
and thinking that that once she hears that there's no responses to her, then this will all go away. And I hit record. She starts asking questions, and one of the questions that she asked was, do you like playing with my cat? And at that time, I stop, and we replay it. She asks the, the questions, and then when she gets to that one question, is there anybody, or do you like playing with my cat? And you was loud, it was crystal clear. You could hear a male voice say no. Oh, my goodness. And wow. I was like, okay, yeah. um, this is a difficult one to explain. I mean, we didn't hear it when we were recording. I was yeah. the only male in the room. And I certainly didn't say it. So, you know, but still, even at that time, I was just like, okay, well, you know what, honey, this doesn't really prove anything. You know, it could have been interference. It could have been anything. You know, just trying my, trying to use logic, I guess, at what I was considering logic at the time, to say, look, the, the, what you're hearing is probably just uh, interference with something. But, you know, it's a digital cell phone. It's, you don't really get interference on those. So, and it was loud as, you know, it was crystal clear. It was, like, very straightforward, very intelligent answer, you know, intelligent response, and was just no. Yeah, that's so, bone chilling. Sounds like you got a Class A EVP there. And, you know, as a... As a father, like, I don't have children, but as a father, I'm sure you're like, okay, I'm supposed to protect my children. Like, I can't explain this. What the hell's happening? Yeah, exactly. And that was it. And so now all of a sudden I have a bit of anxiety about what's going on. But still, I hadn't experienced anything. This was actually the first thing that had happened. And I wasn't still too shook up about it. And because nothing else had ever happened to me. And, you know, if you don't believe, if you always try to find an excuse, I guess, for something that happens, you're going to dismiss it out of your mind. And that's kind of what I did. And, you know, and things still continued to happen. And they would always come to me and say, oh, this is happening, this is happening. And, you know, they would say, well, I can't find this. And all of a sudden it just came back. And I said, well, you know what, maybe you just put it down somewhere and you don't remember. And then when you came back, you remembered where it was. So those type of things. So at that point, I was still not convinced that something was going on in our house. Right. And so this apparition that she had seen that's one that I I didn't hear about on the dead files, but I know watching through watching your episode Hell in the Heartland, I know that at least two other apparitions were seen, a man in uniform by you and a crying girl with long hair by your youngest daughter Emmy, who she even drew a picture of her. Uh-huh. Talk about those encounters. You know, Emmy would always come to us and and say, I, I see this little girl, I see a girl, I see a, a woman. You know, at the time, she was still pretty young, so she was still trying to find the right words to use to describe things. 
you know, but she was very detailed on what she saw. And she said that sometimes she would come out of her room, she would look down the hallway, and she would see this girl or woman, young woman, just on her knees with, like, long black hair, and she looked like she had, um, was kind of disheveled, and she was just crying. Mm. And, um... And I, I kept thinking to myself, and I go, you know, she's she's young. I mean, she really doesn't have any reason to say, to make things up. And she said it with such conviction that it, you could tell she was adamant about what she saw. And so and that's when we were asking so well tell me exactly what you saw can you draw a picture of it and that's when she when she drew the picture and she said there were several times that she would see this person wow. just all all throughout out the house even outside and so it kind of still one of those things it's just like okay well but you know what i haven't seen it and and I always kind of chalked it up and says, okay, well, maybe this is kind of an imaginary friend. But she never said that, oh, I'm playing with my imaginary friend so-and-so. She never gave the individual a name. Yeah. She never said that I was playing dolls or I was playing that. She just said, I saw this person, and she's crying, and she's in some kind of pain. So when you think about it in terms of when kids make imaginary friends, they always do something with them. So right. it, this wasn't the case. And as as far as, you know, the man in uniform that I saw, I was just outside one day and I was standing on our back porch and I saw this person just start to slowly walk onto our, our land, our back part of our land. And they come across the deck and, and I'm looking at the individual. I, he looks at me, I look at him, I'm completely frozen and just petrified. I like I was like a statue. I couldn't react at all, but he looked at me and it was just so it was heartbreaking. You could just mm. feel his pain and he was dressed as a it looked like a civil war type outfit uniform type and he was dragging his gun and he was holding it by the barrel and he was just dragging his gun mm. and he went behind the garage and I ran around to the other side thinking I could see him again but he was gone and that really that had a very profound effect on me I mean emotionally but just because he just looked so heartbroken and so tired and defeated and just you know all just he, he just was so trying to find the right word to use but he was just so emotionally drained I guess oh, that's heartbreaking absolutely yeah. it makes you want to do something for them you know and it's yeah that's very sad for sure just like a kind of heartbroken defeated yeah exactly and I, I didn't say anything I I was frozen and yeah. I, I didn't say anything I didn't turn around and walk away he just kept walking he looked at me I looked at him and he didn't even stop he just kept going incredible 
It's just so amazing when you see these things, these full-bodied apparitions, you know? There's no feeling like it for sure. You know, it seems that each of you have had, like, almost physical attacks occur. One of them that literally left you scarred. Talk a bit yeah. about that. Absolutely. I mean, there was, uh, it was, I remember it was during the summer, and we had had watermelon that earlier that evening and I was cleaning up the kitchen and there was a big butcher knife that was sitting next to the next to the sink and that what we used to carve the the watermelon and I was washing dishes I was cleaning up and I turned around and I walked toward the refrigerator I guess to put something in the refrigerator as I turned around the knife that was by the sink spun around and then shot off of the counter and it caught me on the on my right arm and it just kept going and then it stuck into the wall and i i still have the scar to this day it it cut me pretty deep and Hmm. you know at that point i was just like man what what would happen if what would happen if emmy would have been or one of my kids would have been just walking into the kitchen walking past the refrigerator and that knife is flying by right it was a, i mean it was a very sharp knife and it it was at that point you know we're thinking man we're in serious trouble this is just not this should not be happening we better figure something out we better figure something out fast but it's not like you can look in up in the yellow pages and say find somebody to come and help you Right. And would you say, Lance, that this was like the last straw or the last knife in your case? Like, okay, this is not right. This is very dangerous. This could have been one of my children or my wife. Enough's enough. We need professional help. Yeah, actually, that was, you know, there was many things that kind of led up to it. There was, there was that. There was knives would just start appearing out of nowhere they would be stuck in the ceilings they'd be stuck in the walls and at one point jennifer my wife she took all the knives we took all the knives out of the house and took them over to a friend's house so at the at that point we had no knives in the house at all and right around that time that's when we started hearing this woman scream just on a regular basis, Ugh. you know, no rhyme or reason to it. She, she would scream in the middle of the night. She would scream in the morning. She would scream in the middle of the day. Jeez. You know, it, it was just no rhyme or reason, and no particular set schedule that she would scream. It was just out of the blue. She would scream. Ugh. And that's mind-boggling to me, and that must have been so frustrating. And again, that parent is, that papa bear instinct, like, I need to protect my family. I need to protect them now. And so we know now that, based from the episode, that there were at least three spirits connected to your home. The aggressive woman, the hat man, and another man... And also, I'm curious, Lance, do you think that the apparition that your oldest daughter saw and the apparition that your youngest daughter saw at different times, obviously, do you think this is of the same woman? I actually do. I I think it's the same woman, and it could have been at different stages in her life. You know, she was actually on the, the, 
the property. She lived there. Um, she lived there for a, a long period of time. So I, I think it was at different stages of her life. I true, and I also think that was the woman who was screaming. Oh boy. So, Lance, in your opinion, out of all these spirits, the the hat man, the aggressive woman, and the older man, which, in your opinion, was more dangerous to you guys, and why? You know, it depends on the individual. I think yeah. for for my wife and the girls, the the crazy woman, she she wanted them gone. She wanted them dead, in particularly Heidi. She wanted Heidi out of the picture completely. And, but for, to me, she really wasn't a threat. I mean, after the the experience that I had with her, the very first one, I, I mean, I was able to hear her all the time. And, but I just kind of tuned her out. She was never aggressive toward me, not that I'm aware of. But she, at one point, she did make me pretty sick. She told me that she was making me sick, you know, just to try to get me to die so I could be with her. But when that didn't work, then she started going after Jennifer. She started going after the girls. So she was more of a threat to the rest of the family other than myself. Now, the hat man... He just despised everyone. He hmm. he was a threat to all of us. Yeah, that's incredible. And that's, it's interesting. It's crazy that she was able to, Amy Allen was able to pick up on so many spirits at that house, mm-hmm. you know, and each of them with their own little history and backstory. It was just very telling. And, you know, before Steve and Amy came to your home, you guys actually had a supposed paranormal team come and they did what is now known or thought of as a botched cleansing, making things a lot worse. Something here eerie happened to you. Talk about this air quote cleansing. Yeah, you know, this was our first experience with with a paranormal team. And, you know, they, they completely misrepresented themselves. Yeah. We thought that we had submitted our case to the dead files, but in actuality we hadn't. Oh, no. And when they they came out, you know, they, they took two hours to set everything up. They were all very excited, very, very excitable. And they focused their energy and their attention on the basement because at the time that's where things where we thought things were originating from. And when I went down, they wanted me to go down there with them. We all went down and sat in a circle and they were asking questions and they were recording. And they said, if there's anybody here, we command that you show yourself. And then at that moment, Right after they said that, it felt like somebody just, just slapped me so hard, punched me almost on, a, on the back of my head. And I got up and I took off running. Mm. I just was petrified. And one of the investigators stopped me and shined a flashlight on my neck. And I had cuts on the back of my neck. And I went back upstairs and shaken up. And they convinced me to go back downstairs. Oh, geez. 
even though I didn't want to. And the medium that they had there, she went down too. And as soon as I got down in the basement, I did not feel well. I, I felt lightheaded. I felt nauseated. I didn't feel comfortable. I could remember the median, her hand on my chest, and she was saying some sort of prayer. And at that point, I just thought I passed out. I didn't even think anything of it. And when I kind of came to, I guess, I just calmly got up and just walked back up the stairs, walked out of the basement. But I do remember then they were all excited and they were, you know, were they saying, oh, my gosh, did you see that? Did you see that? And as soon as we got upstairs and I went down the, into the garage where they had set up the base station, Jennifer met me and she was like, are you OK? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. Why is everybody freaking out? And she goes, I, we were watching you on the monitor and you were literally picked up and thrown up against the wall. I said, I, I don't remember any of it. I don't recall of it. Even to this day, I don't recall it. Oh, my God. And, you know, at that point, the leader of the team, he went down in the basement with some other folks, and he radios back up. He says, okay, we're shutting it down. Pack it up. It's not safe. And at that point, Jennifer just freaked out. And I, I was just like, wait a minute. You're just going to shut down and pack up and leave after all this? And that's where Jennifer made them do the cleansing. You know, she said, you, you, no, 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 no. You just cannot come in here, rile this thing up, yeah, and then just leave. So Jennifer made them do the cleansing. And that's where we think that they had the, the blotched cleansing. And I, I don't remember the exact things that they did or the order that they did it in. It was so long ago. And at the time, I, I had never seen a cleansing before. So for all I knew, that they, they were doing it correctly. Right. But it, it turns out, as you know, we found out, that they didn't do it correctly. And I think that they were just so anxious to get out of there that they just wanted to do it, be done, and get out. Write it off as another investigation. Right. And then when we, when we went back to them... And we asked them, hey, what did you find? Did you, did you find anything? Can you give us some advice? Well, what are we dealing with here? What's going on? They said, well, we weren't able to do a complete investigation. Therefore, we cannot tell you exactly what happened. And all the evidence that we had has been destroyed. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm. who the hell does that? Not me. That's, that's weird. I, I know many fellow paranormal investigators and I I can't see any of them actually doing something like that and that's why when I first mentioned it I said a supposed paranormal team because it seemed like from the very beginning it was very unprofessional and you don't like like Jennifer said you don't stir the hornet's nest and then walk away letting the poor family deal with it no you stirred this shit up you deal with it now you you know and and don't command anything you know (laughs) That's ridiculous, to say the least. Let's talk, Lance, about the sketches. There were two done by a sketch artist, as every episode they have. 
One in which Jennifer broke into tears. She just she just oh, yes. broke down, and it was so heartbreaking watching her just cry uncontrollably. Describe these horrifying sketches. I know Steve Zashavi even said at one point, oh, "I wouldn't fall asleep after seeing this." You know, I wouldn't sleep in that room after seeing this. Yeah, the the first one that they showed to us was the one of the the Hat Man, and. It was a picture of him standing in the corner of, at the time, which we were, the bedroom that we were sleeping in, which was an open bedroom. And I remember looking at the picture of the sketch, and I just immediately recognized the individual. Hmm. And I was just like, that's the person I saw. That is the person that I saw walking on the land. It was identical to him. I I just couldn't believe, I, I mean, that was like, picking somebody out of a lineup and I just couldn't believe it. And it was, he was standing right in the corner watching us sleep. Mm. And you know, that one didn't, that one didn't really upset us. It was more like, I guess, validation. Okay. Yeah. Hey, we were not crazy. Yeah. And this is what we saw and that's what I saw. And so the second one was very difficult. Mm. Um, it was a picture of, you know, the back bedroom. It was a back bedroom that Heidi was using at that time. And it was, it was very emotional. And because Amy had told us that this person wanted Heidi out of the picture. And it was like she had her hands on the back of the person's neck. It was just, and it looked exactly like Heidi. And and it looked like the woman that Emmy had described to us that she had seen. And, and it looks it, like she's it, strangling her, you know, like yeah. like full on strangling her. She doesn't want Heidi just like out of the picture to move away. Like you said, she wanted her dead. And that is just yeah. like bone chilling. I can't even imagine. And at the time... Heidi was having a lot of issues. She was having a lot of health issues. She was having a lot of emotional issues. And, Mm. you know, we could never figure out what the problems were. Doctors couldn't figure it out. Mm. And, you know, then all of a sudden we find out that it's this thing, woman, attacking our daughter. And there's nothing that we could do about it. Nothing. Yeah. And, you know, at, at that point, Jennifer just completely broke down. Yeah. And this was the only time, well, this is actually the second time they actually stopped filming during the reveal because Jennifer started to hyperventilate. Yeah. And we we couldn't go on. Right. She had a, yeah, it's, it's hard to compose yourself when you see literally in front of you your child being strangled like yeah. that's horrible and, and 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 it's not from some i mean either either way is horrible but at least like if you see somebody you could fend them off but she's by this like invisible force this malevolent evil negative spirit that is just that's heartbreaking i mean i would i don't know what i would do in that situation I would have broke down too. Something like that happens. You just, you know, you want to do everything you can to defend your child and protect your children. But how do you defend and protect them over something that you can't see, that you cannot 
just stand toe to toe with and fight. Right. Yeah. You have to. You have to bring in, obviously, the big guns, and it just gets some answers. And it seems like you guys did. You. It seems like you know you were able to. And I mean, Amy and Steve are quite the team. You know, Steve with his NYPD homicide years. I mean. You know, all of those years as a homicide detective and Amy with her way to communicate with spirits, it seems like that's what the Everhart family needed. You know, you guys needed that. And it seems like you got some resolution, I hope. You know, I mean, at the end of each episode, Amy gives advice and what needs to be done to basically live somewhat normal again. What were your guys' instructions, and how did that work out for you guys? Well, you know, it was all about regaining control. Yeah. And, you know, the first thing that we had to do was break the attachment that the the crazy woman had on Heidi. And that was the most difficult thing. And then after we broke that attachment, then we had to just move that individual, move her on, which that she did not go quietly she just didn't say okay you're telling me to leave i'm just going to leave yeah it it took some effort to get her to leave you know the 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 hat man it was just he was relatively simple we just could tell him you know you're not welcome here you just need to leave we understand why you're here and once we got him to leave you know we could just banish him from the property but you know the the crazy woman. She she took a while to get rid of because, and it took a while to break that attachment that she had with Heidi. Mm. And then it, at at that point, you know, she tells us that the reason why you know you guys should you know be very cautious on what you do and how you conduct yourself is because all of you have some form of abilities. Mm. And so you have to be aware of that, and you you're going to have to be diligent. It's going to be something that's going to be continuing and ongoing. You need someone to teach you how to properly do a cleansing. Um, you need to be aware of your surroundings. And I remember she said, you know, normally I would tell people just, you know, in your situation, just to move. But there's no guarantee that wherever you go is not going to be worse because things are going to be attracted to you just because you are all sensitives. So you, you got to learn how to deal with that and you got to learn how to, you know, cleanse and you got to learn how to protect yourselves. And, you know, there, there was a lot of things that she talked to us about and how to control things that didn't make the reveal. You know, the, the reveal is a very small part of the show. Yeah, and you know it's maybe five minutes, but the reveal lasted for four hours, and so there were a lot of things, and it was kind of a, a recipe of things that we had to do and the orders that we had to do them in. And after we got that part under control, we got rid of the crazy lady. Then we had to learn how to protect ourselves. We had to learn how to cleanse, and the other thing is that the understanding that all of us had abilities and that took some adjusting and you know we're at somewhat there i i don't think that we're a hundred percent where we need to be but we're a hell of a lot better than what we were 
Right, absolutely. And you guys stood your ground, you know, you it, it took a long time to get there, you know, to get the negative woman out, the crazy woman out, but you guys stood your ground, you didn't move, you still live there to this very day. And I mean, good for you cuz home home is home and it's a gorgeous area you guys live in and I'm just glad that it worked. Your case was so intense, so spine tingling that even Steve Deshavi, a man who was a homicide detective for the NYPD for several years, said basically, Lance, if you're not bullshitting me, this is one of the worst cases that we've worked on. And to me, that's like mind blowing, man. That says a lot. All the stuff that you guys as a family and by yourselves went through is just amazing to me that i mean you guys are definite warriors you survived this yeah and you know what that's something that we're proud of we we survived it we made it through it was a long process and it 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 felt like at times you know we we just wanted to give up and you know at certain points we just kind of withdrew into our own house and and that's just no way to live i mean you kind of become prisoners of what uh, of what's haunting you and that's exactly what what they want you know they want to completely control you you know and we we did have a lot of stuff it it just seems like there was so many things that i mean it would take hours to go through every little thing that happened to us and I know that Steve, he caught a lot of heat, you know, for that saying that, oh, he was so hard on this guy, you know, I've never seen him like that. And and, and to me, I respect that. Yeah. You know, it's him doing his job. Right. And, you know, he, he wants to understand. And I, I didn't have a problem with anything on how he did. And, yeah. you know, and a lot of people don't see the other side because when Jennifer broke down during the reveal – he he was very comforting you know he was very helpful um very caring and it was just and people don't see that yeah and you know obviously there's a lot of behind the scenes that we as a viewer watching we don't see you know for us it's a you know an hour show but really with the commercials a 40 minute show with you know just a few things but like you said for the reveal that was a great example oh what like five seven minutes on tv but really that lasts several hours and you know i'm sure that so many things happened to you guys that wasn't even featured on the show that was just you know a portion of what happened oh yeah absolutely and you know they shot over 80 hours of footage oh my god so and then they you know they took all that and then compiled it into a 45 minute show wow but i i thought that the show did a really really good job of telling our story and summarizing everything that had happened to us it was kind of a cliff notes version of what happened to us right is I, I just have to ask you real quick, is somebody is somebody with you? Yeah, actually I'm in the car and Jennifer just tried. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna debunk that. And I was like, Lance, don't freak out, but I heard a woman. No, no that's that was Jennifer. I'm okay. sorry. No, don't be sorry whatsoever. It's uh I'm glad it's Jennifer and not somebody else and not a spirit. <laughs> no, no. 
just her. Well, good. That makes so. me happy. So, you know, before we end this, Lance, how's life today for you, Jennifer, and the kiddos? I mean, things somewhat back to normal, no attacks or apparitions or anything like that? Yeah, things are, you know, as normal as they can be. We still have things from time to time that happen. Yeah. But most of them are, you know, I mean, they're not they're not terrifying or, you know, things along those lines. It's just, you know, certain things that we just kind of get used to and we accept the fact. And, you know, the thing is, is just staying diligent and it's continuing and ongoing and protecting ourselves. So, yeah, things are, are back to normal. I mean, we don't hear the screaming woman anymore, thank goodness. And um, we don't hear footsteps. I mean, almost no activity. And that's awesome. but we're also very cognizant of what's going on around us and we're right. diligent in, you know, accepting when somebody says, Hey, this is happening and I see this, then yeah, we, we deal with it head on. We're, we're a lot stronger than what we were and we're able to, you know, accept things and, and like I said, deal with them head on. Well, good for you guys. Keep it up and I'll keep you in my thoughts and, and real quick, Tell people how they can find your amazing blog so they can read more about your paranormal life. Okay, sure. Yeah, you can find the blog. It's uh, at com, and I'll spell that out for you. It's M-I-S-M-A-S-T-E-J-A-S-R-A-N-C-H.com. It's a lot to spell out. It's Mies Boss Tejas Ranch. And you you can read our story from the very beginning to basically where we are right now. Well, perfect. Absolutely. But keep, keep in mind, I am not a writer, so I'm just kind of putting this stuff out there. Yeah. No, that's great. And so one last thing, Lance, before I let you go. For the, you know, I know that it took you guys a while to actually ask for help because you thought that there's so many skeptics there's so many people that are like naysayers and judgmental and you know just frown upon it or don't believe i know that there's probably a ton of people out there and families that are dealing with the same thing and not getting that help if there's somebody listening right now who's going through issues at home i'm not saying like you know like steve and amy but i mean like what would you say to them, like, if they just, like, need help but are afraid to get it? You know, part of the whole reason why we wanted to tell our story and part of the reason why we started the blog is to, you know, get people to strengthen courage to come forward and get help. Yeah. No one should suffer in silence. No one should suffer as long as what we did. It was, the longer you suffer, the more control, whatever this is, that uh, is out there that has it has a control of you and so don't suffer there there's people out there that can help you there's people out there that can believe you so start start by you know asking and reaching out to somebody you can even reach out to us and we'll, we'll help guide you in the right direction but get help don't don't sit there and suffer and don't worry about what other people are going to think you know at the end of the day it's all about you it's all about the safety of your your family and it's going to take time after even though you when you get control of everything and you start to get back to a normal life but 
just because you get rid of something that is haunting and terrorizing you, it, a light bulb just doesn't go on and everything is fine the next day. It's going to take time to heal. And But the longer that you take to get help, the longer it is going to be, the, the longer that healing process is going to be. You know, our, our oldest daughter, London, she is just now to the point where she wants to talk about what happened. And she's actually going to do some, she's going to tell her story and she's going to write it out and she's going to, it's going to be posted on the blog. So, wow. um, and it's been, gosh, at least five years since, you know, she's moved out. Oh, wow. Incredible. And that's so sweet that you offered, you know, hey, we're here for you too if you need help. Because, yeah, you're right. Life is too short. You shouldn't be miserable. You shouldn't have to deal with this. And and you were so right. You couldn't have said it better. At the end of the day, it's about you. Don't worry about what other people. Of course, there's going to be people. You know, you, you could put a little cute basket of puppies in front of somebody and they'll find something wrong with it. Like, a cer- you know, <laughs> certain people. So who cares about exactly. other people? It's all about you. Lance, I really do appreciate you being on again. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, it's great talking to you. I always enjoy our conversations. (laughs) It's always neat talking with Lance, and it is just so mind-blowing what that family went through. You know, like just mentioned, so much has happened that you don't see on Dead Files. And, you know, you could look up that episode if you haven't seen it on youtube it's called hell in the heartland and it it's just mind-blowing kudos to him i'm the family i'm glad that things are back to normal or somewhat normal you know i can't imagine being at home trying to relax and you hear a woman scream it's like okay did you enjoy this week's episode listen to the others you guys they are equally awesome Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, my friends. Just head on over to any podcast platform, such as Podcast Republic, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, CastBox, Spotify, Deezer, Savin. Basically, wherever you venture to listen to your other awesome podcasts, you will probably find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. This week's city shoutouts go to Cortland, New York, Bellevue, Washington, Brownstown Charter Township, Michigan, Hamilton, Canada, and Quincy, Massachusetts. Thank you. Have a great day. See you next week.